Good day to you, and welcome to the podcast for the Union Street Meeting House. In this podcast, we will be sharing messages from our weekly worship services. Union Street Meeting House is a Christian ministry that introduces people of all ages to Jesus Christ and recalls those who once knew Him back into an intimate, vibrant, living relationship with Him. We are a house for Christian fellowship and personal growth. You are always welcome here at Union Street Meeting House. Let's go into this week's message right now. Open your Bibles with me this morning to 1 Thessalonians 4.13. 1 Thessalonians 4.13. I don't mind telling you, and I've shared with you before, that uh, praying that God will somehow find a way to give me a lot more time to prepare for these services. But with that, I trust that he has stones that I'm going to pick up as we go slay the giant. Do you understand? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate that. And I pay Steve to sit up front so he can encourage me. First Thessalonians 4 and 13. First Thessalonians 4 and 13. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. But we do not want you to be uninformed. I, I, the King James says we don't want you to be ignorant. And, uh, you know, that's an offensive word, so they change it up some. But let's say it. We don't want you to be ignorant, brothers. That means not knowing. That means not aware or somehow not uh, up to speed about those who are asleep. And that's talking about death at this point that those who have passed, so that you will not grieve as the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring him with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not uh, precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Let's pray. Father God, we do take comfort in knowing that we are yours. And when we are yours, we have a home forever. Lord, we will live and rule and reign with you, the Bible says. So Lord, help us be heaven-minded this morning. Help our focus, Lord, to be on you and your kingdom, not this world and all the things that are around us. Lord, I say that even as I'm guilty of it, it is so easy to get trapped into the cares of this world. But Jesus, everything you taught was about letting go of this place and holding on to you. So, Father, this morning we hold on to you and your Son and the Holy Spirit, and we pray, Lord God, that you will move on our lives, that we will impact our family, our friends, our community, Lord God, that we will be difference makers here, but, Lord, we will also help those understand that there is a better place for them in the future than where they are going to land now. So, God, give it in our hearts that we would be bold for you, that we would speak the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we would not be ashamed of it, and that, Lord God, we would live it for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
So I read that scripture this morning because it relates to the timing of things. And can I say to you that I do not fully understand that. There are so many good teachers on eschatology and the end times. And if I'm being honest, sometimes I avoid it because it is somewhat intriguing or confusing. And I don't want to say confusing, but I think you all know what I mean. There's many different opinions and many different options out there where maybe the theologians look at it differently. Pastor Carl and I were talking last night after the service, and we were talking about a few of these items and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And both of us recognize that we've been wrong before, so you have to be cautious. You could be wrong now. That's why I think that people fight, who fight for their doctrine so much are in error. It's good that they have a doctrine. It's good that we have a doctrine but we must let each individual grow in the Lord through the Holy Spirit as they're growing in the Lord through the Holy Spirit and that God would reveal to them what they need to see at that moment in time. Amen. We're not all supposed to be the same. It's, it's not as the world would try to make it. There's equality, but we're not all supposed to be exactly the same. Remember a couple weeks ago, I said, look around the room and see if you can find you. And you just can't because you were you and God made you you. And so when it comes to the end times, I'm certainly not going to share with you that I have any good handle on it or that I'm an expert on it. And somebody said, Tim, stop giving disclaimers. I'm not giving a disclaimer. I'm telling you the truth so that you know. But the Holy Spirit is capable of interpreting his word to your heart so that you could live it out. But I do the best that I can while I'm here. Turn with me, if you will, to Psalm 24. Psalm 24. We started here last week and we'll continue here this week. The Psalm of David, the triumphal entry of the ark, and then the triumphal entry of our Lord. Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? And who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood or the, the new King James would say vanity. And has not sworn deceitfully. He shall receive a blessing from the Lord and, and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, even Jacob, Selah. Verse 7. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Selah. So last week we transitioned to this Psalm of David, and we began to look at Psalm 24, and we saw how it is broken down into three distinct parts. In verses 1 and 2, we see the Lord's claim 
The Lord has a claim that he makes. And in verses 3 to 6, we see the Lord's call. And in verses 7 through 10, we have the Lord's coming. The Lord's claim, the Lord's call, and the Lord's coming. Last week, we started looking at this Psalm of David. And since we know much of the story about David and have been talking about him the past several weeks, we have determined that without a doubt that David knew the Lord of hosts. David knew the God of his salvation. Did he make mistakes? Absolutely. Did he make major errors in what we call sin? Absolutely. Did he repent and be restored? Absolutely. It's a model for our life. Hopefully we don't make these mistakes, but the reality of it is if you're living a life, you probably make mistakes. God has a plan of salvation, and David understood that plan. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit, and through the Holy Spirit, he saw things that others can't see. I'm not trying to be spooky with you. I'm not trying to, to make it super mystical for you, but there's a reality that you need to understand that Jesus said himself, that the Holy Spirit will show you things that you have never seen. That's part of his job, his role, to guide us, to teach us in all truth. How many of you know there's a world out there right now that can't see the truth? And they don't want to hear the truth. And it's confounding. We were talking with a couple late last night, and they visited family in Florida. And, and, and the family is just anti-God, just everything against God and, and everything for immorality. And it makes your head spin. And you go, what? How can this be? But this is the world we live in. But God has, has an answer for us and has sent an answer for us in the Holy Spirit that he will guide us and show us things. And God showed David things that others couldn't see. David knew who God was. In fact, uh, Let's turn to 1 Chronicles 29. 1 Chronicles 29. David is now entering the, toward the end of his life. Solomon is going to be king. He has prayed for Solomon. He has talked to Solomon. He has told Solomon what he must do. He says to Solomon back up in in 2820, David says to his son Solomon, Be strong and courageous and act. Do not fear nor be dismayed, for the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you nor forsake you until all the work for the service of the house of the Lord is finished. And so in verse 29, chapter 29 and verse 10, we read David's prayer. So David blessed the Lord in the sight of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and the earth, yours is the dominion, O Lord, and you exalt yourself as head over all. Say all. all. He is the head over all. Do you think David knows who God is? Both riches and honor come from you and you rule over all and in your hand is power and might and it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. 
Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as this? For all things come from you and from your hand we have given you. David understands who his God is. In our journey and in our walk and we are born again and and the Holy Spirit does something in our life and it changes us and we've had that experience and if you've not had that experience, don't leave this building today without asking God into your heart that he may change your life and restore you and cleanse you of your past and your sin and make you righteous just by his name's sake. David knows who his God is. God has so much for us. When, when that switch was thrown in our lives, change began to happen. And for some of us, it happened fast. Some of it happened slow. Some, some were able to do things faster than others. Some were able to do things slower than others. It really doesn't matter. God is at work. And he was at work in our lives when he made this change. And we are changed forevermore. Amen. Amen. Turn back to Psalm 24 with me, if you will. The Lord's claim. Last week, we talked about it. The earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers or the floods. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord and who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. So the first two verses are the claim and now verse 3 and 4 and 5 and 6 go into the call, who may ascend into the hill of the Lord and who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood and has not sworn deceitfully, he shall receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, even Jacob. Last week, we began to talk about the Lord's call, and we somewhat ran out of time and didn't get to finish it all. We talked about the hill, who can stand on the hill, who can, who can, who can stand in his holy place, who can ascend the hill, Mount Zion, and who can stand in the temple or Mount Moriah. And those were representations. Who can stand with God as we worship and who can stand in the presence of his holiness? And before we go on any further to make sure that there's a clarity that this is not about works, that this is about a work of God, about a work that Jesus does when we say yes to him, that he cleanses us and he makes us righteous. But Paul teaches, be ye holy, for he is holy. Follow after him. There are things that we must do in our lives to, to please the Lord, to have faith. Who can ascend the hill and who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. And we talked about it last week. The clean hands are an outward evidence of a God, godly life. There are people who look godly that may not be godly. We need to be aware of that. They do wonderful things in our churches, in the church at large, but maybe their heart's not just right. 
So the outward presentation isn't always the finest example of a godly life. But it's a good example. And it's a good place to start. And David said, who can ascend those with clean hands? Those who do those things with themselves that are pleasing to God. And then he says, a pure heart. That's the inward place, the, the secret place, the, the place that only God and you know about. And can I say to you sometimes that only God knows about? Because our mind is a tricky thing sometimes and we are able to convince ourselves of things that are good that are not good. But God knows. It's not a Santa Claus kind of story where he's watching you. That's not the God that he is. But it's just who he is. He just knows. And he looks at the heart. He looks at the motive. He looks at the attitude. He looks at your nature and your new nature. And just like when David was brought before Samuel, he said, hey, the world looks on the outward appearances, but God looks on the heart. He says, he who has a pu pure heart, uh, a motive. You know, a lot of these very, very wealthy people give a lot of money. And I'm believing in my heart that most of them want to do a good thing. But without Jesus, I'm convinced in my mind that it's an outward expression to win them favor, to perhaps even help market their product. But God knows their heart. God knows our heart. He's looking for clean hands and a pure heart. He's looking for people who are heaven-minded and not worldly-minded. Look at the rest of verse 4. He who has not lifted his soul to falsehood or vanity. In other words, he who has not made another person or thing God, even themselves. Who can ascend? He who has not lifted his soul to falsehood, to being dishonest, to, to perhaps not being truthful, even with their self. And he who has not sworn deceitfully or he who is not a liar or lives a lie or pretends to be something that they're not. Can I tell you this morning that God made you and the best you you'll ever be is living out the person that God made you. When you're a teenager and you're so concerned about being the popular kid, I can remember there was a time when, when the kids were wearing the, the, I don't know, somebody help me, Jenga jeans or whatever with the great big bell bottoms. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And they couldn't even hardly walk around. Maybe you were one of them. Probably not my generation enough, but if you did, God help you. But you understand what I'm saying. There's, this, there's always this... There's always this desire in us that we'll be accepted and loved and that we'll be the great one or the good one. And sometimes that results in us living a lie. And even the children themselves today who are confused about things in their life are believing a lie about themselves. 
you will never be a better person than being the person that God has designed and made you to be. It is just that simple. Who will ascend? Who will stand? He who has not lifted up his soul to another and he who has not sworn deceitfully. And then in verse 6, he gives us a good indication. This is the generation of those who seek him, who seek God's face, who look after God. We talked about it. You know, uh, Pastor Bill would say, how close can you get to God? As close as you want to. It's that simple. Those who seek his face, those who are looking for God in everything they do. I remember a young man uh, at a workplace and he was a smoker and we'd talk about the Lord and I knew God was working on him. I knew the Holy Spirit had a hold of him and, and, and he was a smoker and he would say, Tim, I, I can't, I, I, don't, I can't give up smoking and I know God doesn't want me to smoke and, and I can't come before him. That's not your God. He didn't know his God. And I said to him, Mike, Mike, you know, the Lord's worried about your lungs, don't get me wrong, but he don't care about your lungs. He cares about your heart. It's a temporary thing, your lungs. Guys, I mean, I'm tickled to death that 80s and 90s and 100-year-olds are pushing, and I hope they all stay to 100 and more. I, I honestly believed with all my heart that Pastor Bill would live to 100 years old. I would, I would tell him that. But we don't know the hour. That's why we have to set things right with God. But let me share something with you. With the story with Mike, when I said to him, Mike, God's not worried about your lungs. He's worried about your heart. It was like a weight was lifted off of him immediately. I saw it in his eyes. I saw the change on his face. And he broke right there because he realized that he had a God who loved him. And then he began to seek God's face. I share that this morning because I think some of you maybe don't get as close to God as you think you ought to because you're worried about your lungs. You get the picture? You're worried about the sin in your life or whatever's going on or whatever your past is and you want to be close but you won't get real close because you won't let go of the stronghold. Reminded of the story of how they would, and this is kind of a brutal story, so uh, they would kill monkeys in Africa. They would take and hollow out a tiny hole in the tree and hollow it out bigger inside and they would stuff fruit in it. And the monkeys would come and reach in and get the fruit. And when they made a fist and they held on, they couldn't get their hand out. And the natives would come and bludgeon them because they wouldn't let go. Are you hearing the picture? Some of you have things in your life that you won't let go of and the enemy is beating you to death over it. It's simple. You release it. If you confess your sins, he is faithful to forgive them and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Amen. And so then we have the claim of the Lord and we have the call of the Lord. And then we continue in Psalm 24 
with the Lord's coming. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, lift up your everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Two times the Holy Spirit records that the gates would be lifted up. Two times the response is, who is this king of glory? And once the answer is, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. And once the answer is, the Lord of hosts, he is the king of glory. Why do you think that the Holy Spirit records these two requests and these two responses? In reality, I suppose we will never know. Maybe it's a question we will ask God when we arrive. But Dr. John Phillips, suppose it goes something like this. And I don't mind telling you that I have tried to steal his sermon as best that I can because it ministered to me and I want it to minister to you. The Lord Jesus stepped out of eternity into time. Into time. He clothed himself in human flesh and lived among us for 33 and a half years. And during that time, he won victory after victory over the world and the flesh. No sooner than he was baptized by John and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, he was tempted by the devil. And we all know the story. It doesn't matter what you set your heart out to do for the Lord. The enemy comes against you. And if he's not coming against you, you need to hang on because he will. Last night during the first song of the service, I don't know what happened, but I know he was attacking me. And if I'm being honest, I wanted to go sit down. And I said, well, Tim, you can't. This is funny, isn't it? Not to you. It's funny to me, I guess. Your mind thinks pretty quickly in these things. It's kind of bizarre. And I'm thinking, well, Tim, you can't go sit down. You're in the middle of worship. And I said to Tim, I said, but I want to go sit down. I don't feel good. And I was under attack. I know I was. And it took me a minute to get my feet back under me. But I said, Lord, uh, I, I need your help. Now, all the while I'm singing worship, do you hear what I'm saying to you? And I don't know why that was happening last night. I believe it has something to do with this morning more than it does last night, but it doesn't matter. I know that when you set out to do a work for God, the enemy will oppose you. And you've got to get your feet under you. And Jesus won victory after victory over the world and the flesh. And no sooner than he was baptized by John and led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, he was tempted by the devil with probably the three most prevalent sins of temptation, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And as we've been taught here by Pastor Bill, every one of those temptations really was a temptation against his identity. Because his God, his Father, has said, you are my son in whom I am well pleased. Are you hearing me? Listen, you're his son and you're his daughter in whom he is well pleased. That's who we are. The, the enemy attacks the specifics, but what he wants is your identity. And if you're a parent, I want you to know he wants your children. It's just that simple. 
You got to pray them up. You got to pray and pray and pray. And even no matter how much you pray, they still go astray. But it don't matter. You pray more. The lust of the eye and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life and even the temptation of his very identity, but it was all in vain because he told him it is written. He was the Lord, strong and mighty. He was the Lord, mighty in battle. If you remember, we talked about David and the story of David, and, and, and I love the physical story of him slaying the giant, but, but, but that's probably not what we're going to do today. Our giants are different. Our giants are spiritual. But we have to have the same mentation, the same attitude that we are going to slay the giant, not because of what we're doing, but because of who our God is. The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. He was tested by that day's highest religious minds and the priest. They tried to corner him everywhere he went. They wanted to ask silly questions to trap him. And then they had the lawyers, it says, and the lawyers would ask him questions about the law. The Pharisees wanted to know about the law. That happens with us sometimes. People will try to trap us into not knowing something about the, the scriptures or whatnot. And sometimes we answer well and sometimes we don't. But can I share with you that my Jesus always answers well? Priests, Pharisees, lawyers, and politicians all do their best to bring him down. Satan used every tactic possible to destroy the testimony of Jesus. But he was always victorious. And it was all in vain. He was the Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Then Satan had him scourged to the bone. Spit on. Beaten. Crowned with thorns. And took him out to Calvary's hill. And nailed him to a cross of wood. Where they mocked him. And watched him die on a cross. But again, he defeated Satan. He was victorious. He was the Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. And not once in thought or word or deed, not as a babe and not as a child or even as a teenager or a man, whether in the home or the classroom or in the synagogue or at the workbench or the highways and the byways of his native land, never once did Satan succeed in having a victory over our Lord. Amen. Not once. He might get us, but he didn't get Jesus. Are you hearing me? Do you know who your God is? He was the Lord, strong and mighty. He was the Lord, mighty in battle. It was all in vain. And when it was all over, they took him down from the cross and they laid him in Joseph's tomb and, and they rolled the stone against the door and all the might of imperial Rome put its seal against that stone and Satan himself probably sent his legions of demons to hold that stone so it would never be opened because he did tell them, I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise again. And they sent a brigade of soldiers there to, uh, to assure that it would never be opened. But it was all in vain. The hymn writer got it right when he penned this hymn. Vainly they watch his bed, Jesus my Savior. Vainly they seal the dead, Jesus my Lord. 
Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph over his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose, he arose. Hallelujah, Christ arose. Is that an amen? amen? He was the Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. He then stays around for about 40 days and having proved himself alive by many infallible proofs, he gathered up his band of excited disciples with him and they took a little journey and he walked them and marched them through the gates of the city and out past the Garden of Gethsemane and then to the top of the Mount of Olives. And then he raised his hands. Let's, let's, let's look there. Turn in your Bibles. Turn in your Bibles to Luke 24. Luke 24. Do you know who your Savior is? Luke 24 and 50 through 53. And he led them as far out as Bethany. Hey, we talk about these beaches. Let me stop here. I just thought of this. Take time out. We talk about Rehoboth and Bethany. God's not finished. This story is not over. Come on, church. Amen? Amen. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands, and he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he parted from them, and he was carried up into heaven. And they, after worshiping him, returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And we're continually in the temple praising God. The last thing that they saw were the prints of the nail holes and the soles of his feet. And a, and a cloud wrapped him up and carried him up to heaven. The disciples never saw what happened next. But David, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit a thousand years earlier saw what happened next. He saw this king of glory before the gates of heaven, and he said, lift up ye gates, and the king of glory shall come in. And the watcher of the gates replies, after he sees a man standing there who is battered in his battered human body, and he said, who is this king of glory? And the Lord Jesus showed him his nail prints in his hands and his wounded, pierced side. And he said, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. And they opened the gates and they let him in. Hallelujah. We'll make Pentecostal people out of you. Yeah, I'm telling you. <laughs> now between verses 8 and 9, we have to put the whole church age. And during this long period of time, the Lord Jesus has been sitting to the right hand of the Father. And the Holy Spirit has been down here calling out a people for his name. And the third member of the Godhead has been gathering them together, has been gathering us together. Because he was sent, don't forget, to do this. And he gathered together from every people, tribe, and tongue. I loved it this week to have watched a couple sermons 
of people of different nationalities. And I love how they all love Jesus no matter. It is an amazing thing. This crazy thing that we get hung up on. And Jesus said, my children, they're all the same. Every people, every tribe, and every tongue. Sometimes the spirit moved by the thousands, which we have read about in our history, especially with revivals. And praise God, I hope it continues out in Asbury now in Kentucky that they just keep coming and coming and coming. They don't have room for them all. And then other times, like myself, one by one, one by one, a multitude that no man can number, a glorious bride, a glorious church, heaven born and heaven bound. And Jesus, all the time watching as someone gives their life to him saying, Father, here comes another one. Father, here, here comes 50. Father, he was almost dead. One foot in the grave, one foot here, but he said yes to Jesus, he is in. I love the story. I love the story when Jesus tells them, hey, that some will come and I'll pay them for all day. Others will come half the day and I'll pay them. And some will come late in the day to work and I'll still pay them. And the people get upset. Don't you love it how we get upset when we think things are unfair? <laughs> and we've talked about it. We don't want justice, folks. We want mercy. We want love. We want grace. That's right. That's right. But the ones who came late still got the blessing. Yeah. And he says, is it not mine? to do with what I see fit. And then the babies that come. And he says, Lord, here they come. The babies, a lot of them. But we got them, God. Here comes another one, Father. And they rejoice. And the Holy Spirit is harvesting. One of these days, the very last one is going to come in and the father will say to his son, now's the time. Go and get him. And he will get up off his father's throne and he will come back for us. And that's why I read the scripture out of Thessalonians earlier. And the dead in Christ will rise up first and those of us who remain will be caught up in the air to meet him. Hallelujah. And he will put himself in the head of the enormous multitude of people, a countless multitude who have been washed in his blood and whose names have been written down in heaven and who have been baptized into his Holy Spirit, into this mystical family of God. Can you imagine? It's good to see my brother from out of town. He's my brother. It's good to see my sister who's the sister of my sister. God is so good. The family is good. Amen. And he'll put himself at the front of it, a countless multitude who have been washed in his blood and whose names have been written down in heaven and who have been baptized into his Holy Spirit, into the family. And we will stand with him outside the gates of glory. And he will say to the gates, Lift up ye heads, O ye gates, and the King of glory shall come in. 
And the sentinel of the gates will look through and he'll see Jesus there and all of us there and the multitude of men and women and boys and girls. And he will say, who is this king of glory? And Christ Jesus will say, the Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Amen. Amen. Can you see it? Are you understanding who he is? Praise team, come on up with me. Hallelujah. We will enter in with Jesus and we will have Hallelujah Square. Pastor Bill talks about Hallelujah Square. I want to have Hallelujah Square here. We've not had it yet. You know, I was with uh, Trent Collins and we were playing music down at a church to be unnamed. And, and, and we would worship and we felt like Lord is moving. And he would say, and the, and the people were, were dead as stone. And he would say, he said something I thought was profound. He said, it's as if their feet are nailed to the floor. Church, is your feet nailed to the floor? I hope not. Because we're going to dance with Jesus in here, I'm telling you. I'm scaring some people right now, I know, but it's okay. It is what it is. If you're looking for the sweet stuff where everybody's going to tell you what you want to hear, it's probably not going to be in this building, just the way it is. We'll enter with Jesus, and we will have Hallelujah Square, and we will rejoice with him for all eternity. We will see him seated at the right hand of the Father, and like the angels, we will cry, Holy, Holy, Holy. Holy, stand with us. We'll do one more song today. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen, amen. amen. Somebody say amen. amen. Yeah, we got to get the shouting practice going. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. before you go. You're dismissed. Go in the Lord and just love people this week. Show them the love of Christ. Amen. Father, we give you all the glory today, God. Bless us as we go, Lord. We just walk in your love. We walk in your truth. We walk in your spirit, God. We are not afraid, Lord God, of anything in the name of Jesus. No pestilence. No pestilence. No disease. None of that. We cast it out in the name of Jesus. We loose you, Lord God, in our life. Hallelujah, Lord. Don't make us fear mongers, Lord. Make us truth keepers, God. Bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. We praise your holy name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Bless you. so much for joining us for today's message you know we would love to invite you to come and visit us in person sometime if you're ever in our area you can find us at 415 Union Street in Milton Delaware where we have prayer and worship services on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. Bible study on Saturday evenings at 7 p.m. and a Sunday morning worship service at 1030 a.m. We would love to minister to your children as well. We offer children's church during the adult service 
Children are excused to go back to their classes right after the worship time. You can also find more information about us on the web at unionstreetmeetinghouse.org or on Facebook at Union Street Meeting House. So we look forward to sharing the message with you next week. Hope you'll return to this podcast. Thank you so much and God bless you.